My guest this time is Brad Lehner, who I know best as the lead songwriter for the band Medicine. They got their start in the 1990s and Brad has continued to make experimental and unique music across various projects since then. He's known for making very textured music and was lumped in with the shoegaze sound of the early 90s, but he prefers to think of his music as more psychedelic, which is the label that he uses for Medicine's new album, which came out the other week and is simply called Drugs. I watched an interview, like an old clip from 120 Minutes on MTV. Oh, no. And then... Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just thought it was interesting because in that you said that you actively wanted to sound like a... You didn't want to sound like any band from Los Angeles, which I thought was interesting. At that time? Yeah. At that time? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't want clearly... to um, box you into that. But the reason I ask is because when we were organizing this... Um, for no real reason. I knew you guys were from America and I'm obviously calling you mm. from England and I just assumed from hearing your music that you were a New York band. So Oh, that's funny. No, we're pure Los Angeles. Like Jim and I are both we're both born here even, which is unusual. Um a lot of people come here after the fact, after being born. That comment I that's always made me cringe because I, I don't think I was clear in that MTV interview where I just I'd meant like we what was popular in Los Angeles at the time was like hair metal and grunge and stuff like that so that's what I meant I mean obviously some of our biggest influences are bands from the 60s from Los Angeles so yeah that that didn't come off well <laughs> but uh you know I mean I can't imagine medicine without love or Captain Beefheart or the doors or etc cetera, etc cetera. Frank Zappa for sure. So you do still see that, you know, you're happy to be classified as an L.A. band these days. Absolutely. I mean, we were then, too, but we were definitely the only band making that kind of music in Los Angeles at that time. So taking the influences that you just mentioned and coming up with the music that you did in the early days, how did you uh, find that sound? You mean the early days of medicine or what I did before that? This is the thing. Like, I'm, I'm coming to this interview knowing medicine's stuff pretty well right and well medicine i mean was clearly you know inspired by a lot of the stuff that was going on over there where you are but um i think it was informed by our broader sense of perspective and having been brought up with american psychedelia as well so um i don't know if that's obvious or not but it was uh, definitely where we came from as well as being massive fans of uh, early industrial music like Throbbing Gristle and SPK and White House. Yeah. We're, we're, we're record collectors, you know, we're fans of music, though I don't consider our music to be uh, record collector music see, necessarily. I would, I would say that Medicine maybe had a bit of a cult following. Maybe that's how we see you guys from over here, but I'm not sure. Is that... Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's probably accurate, and that's perfectly fine with me. Yeah. Um, having having zero uh, ambition to be a rock star any longer, <laughs> um, that that suits me just fine, you know. The first album of yours that I came to was to the Happy Few, which um, oh wow, that, okay, that came out when I was nineteen years old. So before that, right. um, yeah, that's the thing. I've sort of gone back since, but that was my like entry point. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's, I love I love that record. I mean, I, I yeah. I mean, that, that's a great place to start, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, right. Do you go back and sort of 
do you think of your older albums as, as being, you know, if you go right back to the 90s, does that sort of hold up for you if you go back and listen to that stuff now? Yeah, I mean, for for what it is, I mean, we have a much more modular approach to songwriting now, whereas the old stuff was literally old school, sitting down with a guitar and coming up with chord progressions and, you know, no computers back then, mm. essentially. So, um, yeah, I still like it. I think it's they're exactly what we set out to do. I particularly like The Buried Life, the second album, where I think we really got creative and stretched out and multicolored. I, I look at the first album as being sort of monochromatic, but it works, you know, it works for what it's, what it tried to be. Am I right in saying that you're the only member who's been in medicine from start to current day? Yeah. I mean, Jim has only missed out on one album, so he's right up there with me. Yeah. Jim, the drummer, Jim Goodall. Um, but yeah, it's, it's my baby. Yeah. I found it interesting reading about, you know, the, uh, structure of the band and how many projects you have outside of it and I was sort of wondering why it was that you you know what makes you go back after like sort of five-year hiatus and go back and say yeah I'm going to do another medicine album now why you know what is it that draws you away from other projects and back to medicine and you know how does that kind of thing work out for you well, well in the case of this new album it was Jim coming over to my home studio with his drums and had basically the whole album sketched out beat wise i had no intention of making a medicine record this year and his playing was just so marvelous and and inspiring that i spent the next five months making making it into a medicine record because it, it you know his playing was so inspiring i mean he just turned 70 by the way oh wow okay and he's still coming up with fresh so, ideas and and beating the living crap out of those drums too <laughs> i mean just <laughs> I mean, I'm 55, so it, it's funny to think that like a couple of middle-aged dudes made this very belligerent psychedelic record. I, I love that. Yeah, I think that's um, it's something I've, I've found is that very few artists will come up with their best stuff in their early years. I think if they do, that's probably a sign that they're going to burn out quite quickly as well. Because I've started thinking right. that a lot of my favorite bands came up with their best stuff sort of between 30 and 40. And I don't know whether that's just, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's some like confirmation bias involved with that. But looking at bands, <laughs> histories and things like that, I think, yeah, maybe it's, you know, if you if you come out with your best album at 21, you do two or three and then you sort of what run out. There's a there's people who think we never topped the first album. So, I mean, but they tend to be like the shoegaze purists. And obviously that's our most, you know, within that canon that first album so i mean i completely disagree but you know i get plenty of that you know yeah like they so but i mean I, you know i'm not an ageist i you know and i'm a big fan of a lot of avant-garde 20th century experimental music and a lot of those guys you know kept cranking it out till they dropped so i hope that's uh, the case with me as well you know i find it interesting to think that now you can because bands can make music from home and it's um obviously a different world to the maybe the one that you yeah. started your career in i sort of think you know you're not because i'm am i right in saying that the new album is self-released as well isn't it absolutely yeah i mean this it this new album is not just musically experimental the approach to releasing it was experimental and that we just 
stuck it out there. No label, no PR, no bio, no photo. <laughs> so, um, and I can't, I can't tell you how gratifying that was personally. I guess you don't, have, yeah, when and you're we, not answering to anyone, it probably gives you a sense of freedom that you haven't had in the past. Right. Well, I mean, I've always sort of carved my own freedom out. Um, but in this case, it's, it was pure freedom. And not only that, we released it less than two weeks after finishing it, which is just fantastic nowadays, like unheard of. Yeah, I suppose if you haven't got to worry about physical release and sort of press, um, you know, tours and all that kind right. of thing, then uh, you can just yeah. go when it's ready. Yeah, which is fantastic to me. I mean, and that, um, but you know, that was that was the case. I think in the '60s, I, I think the you know Beatles and Stones recorded their stuff and it was out the following week or a week later because the you know the pressing plants were up for it. The, you know, pressing records right now is just a a dumpster fire it's just impossible yeah the majors doing you know the umpteen three issue of all the classics over and over again and you know box sets and stuff really monopolizes the pressing plants but it vinyl vinyl will be coming eventually but it's it's much better to just i mean i i just want you know we make music for people to hear it so and realizing that on uh, the streaming services we have amassed, you know, quite a quite a nice following, and it's great to just go direct to those people. Have you found that the response has been sort of similar to the last few albums, or in terms of yeah, its reach it's, and its sort of meeting the target audience well, that kind of thing? I think this one's probably reaching it more because the, the our our streaming audience has grown so much in the last just year or so, for whatever reason. Um, so, but, you know, I mean, we've always been uh, received with uh, hesitation and <laughs> distrust. We're not to be trusted. We, we, you know, we've got an ulterior motive and we're not interested in fitting into uh, genre descriptions, which are for squares, yeah. to be honest. I always <laughs> find it really strange when a band that, you know, band like yours, where you started out with something that's quite niche. It's not as if your first album was just straight up sort of rock and roll or something it was already quite experimental and then to hear yeah. that you've had fans sort of say oh they've changed and they're no good anymore why don't you know why don't they have the sort of trust in you oh, to yeah. follow along no, a little bit no no we're that we've done everything we can to ruin any sort of sense of consistency or uh aside from our own bloody mindedness <laughs> and you know in, insistence on doing what we want um you know i think a lot of people hear that we're like this first generation shoegaze band and and hear us and go you know what the hell is that <laughs> you know so which is fine with me because i find a lot of that stuff really boring but um yeah i it's i if i had to put a genre marker on us it would be psychedelic that's the thing the, re the record you did the following year after the one that i mentioned before i remember just the amount right. of um really sort of heady production and like panning from hard left and right and it's just yeah. like i because i listen to most stuff on headphones and that was i just oh, remember and i just never being like, i never i know i never use headphones i mean except for like recording vocals or right at this moment but um i never listen to music in headphones is what i should say yeah i mean maybe that's maybe that's why it seems so extreme because <laughs> it's literally like i think it's the, literally the first song opens with something that's spinning from left to right ear and it's right. pretty overwhelming oh, I should... and i'd say yeah that's pretty psychedelic oh. experience Thank you. 
I'll have to listen to that sometime on headphones. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. So I suppose you've, you might never have heard that song on on headphones then. Yeah. That's. Uh... Well, no. I'm definitely. I'm definitely, especially on that album, guilty of manic panning for sure. I mean, I you know, that album nearly cost me my entire sanity making. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that 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 makes sense. <laughs> Yeah. It took me a few years to, to recover from that one. What was it about I think that that's the one other that reason. pushed you so hard compared to the previous ones? It's hard to say. I mean, I I just uh, just just my will to do something interesting, and you know, sometimes they just they just flow out. Like the new album was pure flow. I mean, I had no resistance. It seemed like everything I tried worked for me, and and whereas that album, Home Everywhere. It was just really, I really had to work through it. So maybe that's why it has that quality. I think I, you know, I, I think that's a good thing. When I hear about like people sort of almost complaining about an album having being too extreme or having too much sound experimentation, I'm like, oh, I need to hear that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, the reviews weren't kind at the time. I, you know, Pitchfork said I'd lost the plot or something like that. And I was like, that that's exactly the kind of record I want to hear where the person making it lost the plot. I mean, yeah, if I not read f- that, f- I would be tempted to see, because you've got to know why or how they've lost the plot, haven't you? That's definitely... Uh... Right, right. That would never be like a bad thing, in, in my opinion, as a listener. It's not fun to be the guy losing the plot, no. <laughs> but but it's uh, I'm stepped away from it now, and I'm, I'm proud of it, you know. I, first and foremost, I do these records for myself to listen to. I, I you know... Um, I don't know if that's like deeply narcissistic or what, but f- primarily I, I'm trying to entertain myself, you know. I think, yeah, I think that must be kind of um, vindicating when you do make something for yourself and then it finds a, a whole bunch of other people who are out there saying, yeah, I get this. This is, you know, this is good for me too. That must be a nice way around. Yeah, it is. It's super nice to, you know, to know that some people have really taken medicine music to heart and have it's actually helped them, you know, get through rough times or whatever. I mean, I've had direct um, communication of that to me from people I don't know. And, you know, it's, it doesn't go to my head, but it makes me feel like I'm not just being a, you know, a wanker, you know, but, (laughs) you know, but there is that also, you know? Yeah, of course. But um, I mean, (laughs) but yeah, no, that's, uh, that's very heartening. Um, to do that because you know music has done that for me other people's music has done that for me as well so what kind of music um, has um helped you in that kind of way something that's really close to your heart that's always been there when you've been uh, going through uh, a difficult always, spell it all starts with the beatles i mean that's really incredibly boring and predictable to say <laughs> but that was my my that's my first love and i it's they're like a spiritual you know they're a religion to me um in as much as I have a religion and then past that you know can and Faust um Captain Beefheart and Zappa you know those are the big ones yeah where you know um I, I could go on and on about that but I mean but as far as emotional support you know you, don't, you can't get much better than the Beatles you know <laughs> It's a direct line to to childhood wonder for me. Sure. Would you, you be know? happy to choose Play- a favorite Beatles album? White album. Really straight in. That no hesitation. Yeah. No. That's the that's the blueprint. Because it you know, it's it's 
they it's super dark. It has Revolution Nine on it. It also has Blackbird on it, and you know what I mean. It's mm. Helter Skelter. It it's everything, you know. And it, um, yeah, that's that's. I mean, I love them all, but that's that's the one. I feel really good about my musical journey. I feel like I've traveled between worlds. That's that's really important to me to not be stuck in any one musical world. And I I, I feel like I've had really wild different musical experiences all over the place. So that's that's you know, that's extremely gratifying as well. Uh it's I guess the trick is to, you know, not just sit around feeling gratified and actually make something, you know, which is what I'm so excited about this new album. What kind of sounds and ex- experimentation have we got on the new album to listen to? Because I've listened to it a couple of times. Uh, there's quite a bit of modular synthesizer on it. Um, there's It's the first album that I do all the vocals on. It's um, the first album where I've mixed the drums super high because I'm so excited about people hearing them. Um, yeah, I mean, but it also has the same medicine guitar pedal board that I've been using since 1990. So, um, that pops up, you know, almost like a, you know, reassurance or reminder. This was also, this is also the first thing we've put out that has like a, you know, a jazz piece on it, you know, a, a, uh, instrumental, um, something that I don't think would sound out of place on ECM. And of course, it has the Beatles cover from the White Album. Yeah. So, you know, the idea there was to make it sound like the Melvins playing the Beatles. Uh, whether it does that or not, I don't know. But <laughs> you just wanted to make do a really heavy version of it. So, if you go over to the Who's Flying the Plane YouTube channel. You can watch the latest episodes of In The Studio, our video series talking to artists and creatives about their craft and showing the environments they work in. All of Series 1 is now available to watch and the first episode of Series 2 is available now and if you keep an eye out they'll be uploaded every other Friday. So just go onto YouTube and search for Who's Flying the Plane or you can follow the link in the description for this episode. What's going on in LA in the music scene that you're sort of interested uh, at the moment? Not a whole hell of a lot, but there are things that I've participated in. A lot of uh, sort of people with their modular synthesizers playing in a park. <laughs> there's there's quite a lot of that for some reason. You know, I guess it's because we have the weather for it. But um, um, yeah, I mean, but there's not as far as bands go, none. <laughs> Really? <laughs> Absolutely none. Do you find that you're finding yeah, your not... new music exclusively online then now? There's not the the scene that's happening in oh, Los yeah. Angeles isn't really uh, your thing anymore. Yeah, and it's not I mean, there are a few new artists, but I, I hate to say it, but the recreational listening is tends to be diving into the past. Mm. Um it's I don't think it's particularly healthy for for uh new especially rock music. I mean, the only artist I could, you know, that <laughs> that I really like right now that's putting out anything resembling rock is like Angel Olsen. You know, I, I think she's wonderful. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not, I can't really, can't really 
speak to uh to new music at the moment i was listening to a band um i think they're irish so i maybe i don't and they're quite sort of new so i doubt they've made it as far mm. as los angeles uh, at the moment but they're called just mustard oh yeah i've heard, I've heard that it's a hilarious name yeah so you've you've heard because i think they sound quite a lot like medicine occasionally they're definitely oh interesting that, um it's like a more sort of sparse production but there's definitely the sort of textural stuff that you guys have interesting yeah i, I should say that you know i like bits and pieces of black midi and stuff like that they're they're ilk i mean i like progress i like prog rock so anybody who kind of touches on you know on proggy stuff is gonna is gonna uh appeal to me yeah um and i know they're he- pretty huge there right i mean well black midi or yeah yeah we or is have, that um, is that my do you know um squid yeah and you know and black country new road and stuff like that yeah um i mean you know like i said i like that they're doing difficult proggy super you know music student type stuff <laughs> um but you know whether it matches up to you know the good old stuff is i'm not sure yeah you know i'm not sure if they're as good as henry cow and magma and, yeah you know why do you think that might be i don't know a little too uh flippant maybe you know whereas those bands in the 70s were not afraid to be like strident and serious and you know um ominous and you know what i mean like there's this i don't mind playfulness in music but i mean i sort of miss that sort of like overly sincere dark you know invent your own language you know Mm. the songs in 13 12 you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) i you know i like that i like bloody-mindedly difficult music sometimes mm. so i feel like they they could go further i guess that 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 crowd yeah i mean i i read an interview or like a bit of an interview that uh someone did with roger waters and he he mm. said something like you know people aren't you know you can never get away with opening an album with the lyric breathe breathe in the air don't be afraid to care without people sort oh, of yeah. saying these guys are morons that's the most like overly sort of earnest <laughs> thing and it's, you know what i mean like it's too, it takes itself too seriously yeah. so maybe the time for right that but that's kind of that that's good I, yeah i like that kind of thing i like pretentiousness and 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 sincerity you know i'm not i mean medicine's not joking around you know i mean there's there's humor in it and it's free you know uh freewheeling and and uh but it's also you know meant to be like you know, a, a, a monumental piece of art, whether it achieves that or not is not up to me to say, but um, I think that's what's what I'm missing from a lot of newer groups is that just that, you know, making a, making monumental statements, you know? Yeah, I sometimes think that there it's hard to, you know, listen listening to quite a lot of new music as I do, I kind of think it might be quite hard to push any real boundaries anymore i think they're sort of in terms of Mm -hmm. production writing lyrical content i mean have we met the boundaries i don't know if that's a wild thing to say but i kind of think most of the boundaries have been pushed as far as they can really yeah you know i mean that's what i that's what i loved about the first wave of industrial stuff i mean i really thought that they had killed 
music, and that was <laughs> thrilling to me as a teenager. You know, I know White House is controversial over there or everywhere, but I mean, I you know, hearing those records was a complete life changer for me because it was it literally reduced music down to a high pitched tone and a low pitched tone and a crazy guy screaming through a feedback microphone, you know? I, th I just thought, I thought that that was it, you know? No one's going to be able to <laughs> break that barrier down again, are they? It's right. I mean, so I don't know if it's so much about breaking barriers down as, as um, just having inspiration. Mm. Um, and in that, drawing from, like, the whole universe of sounds, and, yeah, I don't know. I still have faith that somebody could come along and absolutely blow me away. Um I hope. I also think that music has become so decommodified and you know less central culturally than when most of the stuff I love was made that I don't I don't know if it ever can. I don't know if that's ever something that could come back that'll ever be more than a, a niche you know, interest mm. rather than, you know, the, the overarching cultural thing that, you know, the Beatles were or the Sex Pistols were or, you know what I mean? I don't know if any one artist can, can achieve that anymore. I think everybody can go and find anything they want that suits their mood. Um, so maybe that's healthier than the old way um, <clears throat> that, you know, it's decentralized where where everybody gets their their music. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, one thing I found as a teenager, I remember watching films like sort of Quadrophenia and all the documentaries about kind of subcultures and like punk in the UK and just sort of seeing all that kind of thing. And I, I it made me quite sad that you know when I was a teenager there weren't really that kind of subculturey, cliquey kind of thing where you dress like the music that you listen to. And I feel like I've missed right. out on that a bit. And I think that I don't think that really happened. You know, that's still the case today, isn't it? You don't see someone in the street and no. you can't guess exactly their entire music taste based on the way they look. Right. And I think that, you know, the 60s was like that as well mm. with the, the hippies. So, I mean, I you know, I think punk rock was the, the hippies, you know, like just a few years older, you know, mm. um, or, their, or their younger siblings. But, yeah, it's... Um, it's probably a good thing that it's not like that anymore because that's, you know, uniforms can be a prison, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm uh, a contrary fellow, so <laughs> I'm sure I would have hated any of that, you know? I mean, I was into punk rock when I was a little kid and teenager, and but you know, it was never, you know, I would never have gotten a, a Mohican or, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just, I mean, but then again, you know, in, in hip-hop music and, you know, uh, it's definitely related to clothes. So um, I just think it's maybe not in rock music or indie music anymore, but, you know, in in hip-hop culture, it's it's still very much bound to, to what you're wearing and brands and things like that. I posted on a forum some questions I said that I was going to be interviewing you and I got a couple of responses here I thought were some quite good questions oh wow um, okay what, what forum I'm curious um it's I th <laughs> I know you I didn't want to name it but you've asked me so I will but it's it's a shoe ah. the shoegaze forum on reddit 
I didn't. Oh right, right. I thought okay. you might be a little bit <laughs> miffed that I went straight to a shoegaze page. No, no, because that I I'm not miffed. I mean, I understand that that's what you know the basic what we're basically known for, which is you know that's fine. I have no control over that anyway. But that's that's fine. I mean, it's better than not having anything to hang our hats on, really. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, that's not so bad then. I thought you'd be like, stop, you know, no. trying to box in what we do. Yeah, I'd be like, thing. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm going to storm out yeah. now. <laughs> okay. No, that's fine. I'm cool. Yeah, okay then. Um, this person's name is uh, Expanding Crystal. And mm. uh, they say that... Of course. Of course. Um, they have your <laughs> solo album, Neighbor Singing, on vinyl, and they've listened to it a million oh. times. Um, oh, God bless that expanding (laughs) and their question is what does he do to get into a productive space for creative work does he have certain habits he follows or a kind of method or practice oof um well yeah sure i mean i um i try to make some type of music every day whether it's a song or jamming on a synth or you know i mean it's my entire existence revolves around making and listening to music so um what like that album for example was the first batch of tunes i attempted after uh my son was born and he was no longer an infant requiring constant attention Mm. so that was good because that represented coming back from a break of not being as productive as i had been um i love that they like that album i mean that's a really significant piece of work to me i was trying to make an easy listening record there um but really it's just getting in and and doing it and um it's the main thing that with my work from the last couple of decades it just involves a lot of listening like repeated listening to the point where i i'm completely done with it by the time it's done (laughs) so it's it's really just listening and thinking and then pouncing. That's so cool. They brought up that record, though. I appreciate that. Yeah, big fan, though, I think. Okay, so the next one I, I have is uh, Santonio32 says, this is kind of the question I asked you before, actually, but what, if any, are the current bands carrying the torch that he finds interesting or good? I, I, I always freeze up when I get asked that. Ugh. I'm I'm just miserable at that. I, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say Black Midi because that's just you know. I, honestly, there's there's very few people in in the what they call would call the shoegaze idiom that I am excited about. I'm I'm really sorry to say that. Yeah, it, I mean that's yeah. a that's a that's a huge turnoff for me. But well, more broadly that, speaking, then if there's anything that sort of. Well, I'm, I mean, Angel Olsen. <laughs> okay, you know? yeah. How, how's, that, how's that for a boring middle-of-the-road answer? I just think she makes stunning music, and she's got a gorgeous voice, and just I'm, I'm moved by it. I, You know, I love Lana Del Rey, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that so as far as, chemtrails I mean, over the for country for the, for the, album, I think, is great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's absolutely wonderful. Um, so, yeah, you know, really, I, I, I don't know. I'd have to say it's all, like, you know, female artists primarily. Hmm. are the ones who are doing the most interesting stuff, I find. Um, there's a, an artist here named Victoria Shen who casts her own records out of resin and then 
plays them with um, uh, uh, styluses on her fingernails, like fingernail attachments. So there's like five styluses at a time on the record. That sounds. I think insane. she's great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm trying to and uh, Claire Rousset. See now I'm coming up with stuff. Claire Rousset is a a sound artist, percussionist who is like a modern day Luke Ferrari. You know, like a lot of field recordings, but a lot of very emotional sort of um, spoken words from her and her associates. Yeah, I mean the final question <laughs> on here is a very short one for you. This is from Aggressive Bat Sixty. Um, <laughs> wants to know if you listen to Blade with two E's. I don't know what that is, but uh, I don't either. No, okay. But I will. I'll look that up. Blade with two E's yeah. at the end. Two e, like Blady. Yep, that's right. Yeah, I mean maybe maybe that's a typo. <laughs> I can't tell. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. I'll I'll look it up. I haven't. I do not Great. know that one. Okay, Brad, what would you like to offer up as your Who's Flying the Plane hidden gem? Uh, this is a great hidden gem. It's a, a record that came out on A&M Records in 1969 by a guy named Pete Jolly called Seasons. And it's, as far as I know, is the only record that he made that sounds like this. It's kind of a Miles Davis pastiche weird jam record that sounds like it could have been made yesterday. Everything else he did was kind of cheesy, uh you know, easy listening jazz, but this particular record is gorgeous and special. I think it, I think it can be streamed on the services, but uh, good luck finding it on vinyl. Okay. <laughs> Lastly, um, your album is self-released. The new album is called Drugs. It's been out for maybe yeah. two weeks now. Um, less. Less than two weeks. <laughs> well, I put it out on Bandcamp early. It's, it's, it came out everywhere last Friday the 10th. Yeah, I think that's when I got it because I've got I got it on Spotify here. But um, yeah, so how can listeners find it? How can they buy it? And when can we expect a physical release? A uh, physical release, hopefully by the end of the year, in a very small quantity. So um, uh, keep an eye out for that. Um, and if you want to buy it and have money go directly to us, Bandcamp is the best option. Um, but it's fine if you want to listen to it on, you know, the free option on Spotify as well. It's as long as you listen. I don't don't care if you pay for it. Okay, well, yeah. Thanks a lot for talking to me today, uh, Brad. And thanks for asking me. Mm-hmm.